Hey, all right. Thank you, Carla. Hey, Andrew. Hi, everyone else watching online. Um, surprise, church. Good morning. Surprise. Yeah, like uh, Carla said, Andrew will keep praying for you. Hope you're getting better. But hopefully for us this morning, it'll be a pleasant surprise. You know the kind of surprises like um, sometimes when you haven't worn a pair of jeans or a jacket for a while and you put it on, you dig through the pockets like, hey, 50 bucks. You know, that's really cool, right? That's the kind of vibe we're going for today. So um, hopefully we'll see how things go, okay? There are some things in life that when we look at, at first glances, they seem a certain way. But when we go a little bit deeper, we see that actually things aren't quite what we realize. You know, it's not quite what they seem. I myself am a good example of this. Let me explain. People often have a hard time trying to figure out where I'm from or what my ethnicity is. I mean, obviously, I'm not white, okay? I'm not black. But um, apart from that, people have a hard time trying to figure out where I'm from. So, for example, when I go to uh, visit my wife's family, she, they live in a small town in Texas, um, people think I'm Mexican. There's not many Asians around, so people think I'm Mexican. There's lots of Mexican community there, not many Asians, so people think I'm a Mexican in Mount Pleasant, Texas. When I'm traveling around Asia, I um, you know, remember when I used to travel and do things like that, I just seem to blend into the country that I'm visiting. I mean, even here in Hong Kong, people often ask me, are you Chinese? Other Chinese people will ask me, are you Chinese? Where are you from? And they will approach me in uh, English, apart from in Cantonese, instead of in Cantonese. Sometimes I think it's a spiritual gift. You know, in 1 Corinthians, Paul tells us that um, we have become all things to all people so that we may save some. But the title I like to give myself, you know there's a song called The Secret Agent Man. It's quite old, okay? I like to call myself The Secret Asian Man, right? Because nobody really knows where I'm from. But it often also gets me in trouble. Because when I travel, when we used to travel, I used to like to learn a few phrases of the local language to try and blend in even more. And I'd like to try to actually purposely pretend like I'm a local. And my wife hates it when I do this. Like, you're not a local. Why are you pretending? Um, she hates it, which is why I do it even more. Okay? Um, it just annoys her to no end. It's quite funny to watch. But let's say you know, we're walking around in the Philippines or in Thailand or something, and we bumped into a local person. You know, I'll just be polite and do a greeting. You know, the little few phrases I know. And because they think I'm a local, they'll respond. Okay, and then after that, it's like, yes, okay, this works. So um, I'll throw in another few phrases. Then they really think I'm a local, and they start talking to me, engaging in me, and I'm just standing there like, mm-hmm, yep, 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 I have no idea what you're saying, and then I can't carry on the conversation anymore, and then um, the person often walks away with thinking I'm an idiot, and it's like, what's this guy doing? He doesn't speak, like, what, who is this guy? But here's the problem. Sometimes I think we have this issue within church and the community. Because often Christian community can look a certain way or have a certain reputation to it. And on the surface, right, the church, Christians, we might seem like a group of people. We have everything all well and put together. We are deeply connected with God. We have these deep roots with God and deeply rooted with each other. We have great faith, we have no worries, we have no pains. We gather around on a Sunday to worship God, and when the right songs are being played and the sermon is good, yeah, we really have a good Sunday experience together. But we just have to look 
a little bit deeper. Just peel behind the curtain a little bit. And we find out actually often this isn't what Christian community is like. Under the surface, we're often so caught up in our own lives that we have no time to connect with God. We really have no time to connect with each other. And because we're not connected with God, we don't know how to take care of ourselves. We don't know how to take care of the community around us. And as a, relationship, as a result, our relationships suffer. And we remain shallow and even maybe you can use the word fickle in the way we approach life and our relationships. Maybe you can think about it this way. If at some point today, you might have already done this, you walk past someone, you say the obligatory, hey, how's it going? Hey, how are you? Now, you can probably already guess the small talk that's going to come right after this question. It's really a multiple choice thing, right? It's either good, great, fine. If you're not doing well, you say, I'm fine, okay? Or you get the classic, I'm so busy. Thank you. But what if someone actually took that as an invitation to express their feelings? Like, how would you actually react? I feel like we would be a bit stuck. I know even as a pastor, I would be a bit stuck. We would think it's kind of weird. I mean, what if you said, hey, how are you going? How is it going? Their reply was, actually, you know what? Man, I've had a really tough week. Like, I have a gambling addiction, and I bet a whole bunch of money on the euros, and now I don't know what to do because I lost. Or you say, hey, how's it going? You say, how am I? I'm terrible. I lost my job this week, and I think my marriage is about to fail. What would we say? What would we do? I really don't know. I mean, and also probably depending on the time, we'd probably be like, dude, what are you doing? Like, I have a lunch appointment after this service. Okay, you're unloading your problems on me. I was just trying to be nice and courteous and say, how are you doing? Why are you unloading all your problems on me right now? What happens is then, we re the result of this is that we remain in a very surface level of life. And we don't want to get involved. We don't want to know each other. And so we just keep pretending like everything is fine without ever really getting to the deep, meaningful, rooted conversations that we need in our lives. And the danger is we stay this way and we get content to do life this way because it's easier. And because, in general, this is how society functions. I mean, there's a million and one things out there designed to keep our minds distracted, designed to make you feel like you're connected when really you're not connected at all. And we don't take the time to look at our lives and our hearts. I'm guilty of this all the time. The moment we're bored, the moment we have some free time, maybe I'm just waiting to cross the road, waiting for the bus, sitting on the bus, waiting for my food, even sometimes riding on the lift, right? The instinct is to pull out your phone and just scroll through their news or your Instagram, whatever it is that you scroll through, and you keep your mind distracted. And it's not just a, you can't just blame millennials for this, okay? We millennials get a lot of stick for this. It's not just millennials. I see age groups, all age groups, all across the board doing this as a habit. But church, this is a big problem. And it's a problem because we want to build the community of God, right? We say we want community and community groups where we can know and be known. We're talking about river expressions, so we want our, this, the river expressions of this church to fit the contours of this land, to go out and meet the needs. If we want to do those things, 
right, then we have to be willing to be connected and willing to go deep with ourselves, deep with God, and deep with others. This is how we get to live life and life in the full, just as Jesus has promised us. And this is especially important for a city like Hong Kong, I think, because, like I said, the way we function as a city, society and culture in general is not geared towards deep connections. Firstly, we are busy. I'll admit it. Places to be, meetings to attend, deadlines with bosses chasing us, long hours of work. And then we throw in this unhealthy culture of you know, general suppressed expression of feelings. We don't talk about these things very much as a culture in general, right? Along with recent social unrest and political tensions and now the fear of, you know, what can I say, what can't I say, am I going to get in trouble for expressing myself? This is, church, the perfect recipe for people to shut down, to disconnect, and to remain on the surface because, like I said, it's easier, safer to live that way. But again, this is why it's important, brothers and sisters. We have an opportunity right now as a church, as a community, as followers of Jesus, to show the city that we were made, God designed us for more than just shallow living and small talk. And through rooting our hearts deeply in God and in His design of how He wants us to live our lives, we create space. We create a community, a family where we can express ourselves deeply and fully as God desires for us to do. We live in the freedom of being able to discover who God has created us to be. And we don't have to hide from the hurt and the pain and the suffering that we go through, but rather God invites us to learn the language of the broken so we can fulfill the commandment of loving a Lord with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and loving others as we love ourselves. So I want to invite you into a passage from Scripture because I hope that this might help us to understand a bit better just the initial steps of how to do this. It's a big task, and we're not going to solve everything in one Sunday um, sermon or one Sunday service. I know that. But at least we're trying to take a good step in the first, in the, the good first step in the right direction. And we don't have many slides today. We didn't have time to put up the slides, so you're going to have to pay attention and engage a little bit more. I think there is this one slide of the passage that's coming up, Mark chapter 1. You can look it up in your Bibles as well. We're going to be in Mark chapter 1, starting in about verse 29. Uh, Let me read it for us. Scripture says this, As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Very early the next morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, Let's go somewhere else, to nearby villages, so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, 
preaching in the synagogues and driving out demons. The gospel of Mark is a busy gospel. If there was a gospel that could reflect the life of Hong Kong, I think it would be Mark, right? Because Mark gets straight, stuck in the action straight away. We have John the Baptist in the desert proclaiming who Jesus is, right? This wild, crazy guy eating locusts and honey in the desert, screaming about the one who has come to save the world. And Jesus appears on the scene, gaining followers, It tells us that he was going around on this preaching circuit, right? Teaching with authority like no one had ever heard before. And he was driving out demons, casting out demons. Demons would be cast out at the sound of his voice. And he also had this miraculous power of being able to heal people. All the sick who were brought to him, Jesus was able to heal. So news travels uh, news, uh, travels as he moves about. And he's about to get to a town called Capernaum. And so it creates a buzz, right? When someone like this rolls through town, it's going to create um, some buzz. It's going to get a lot of attention. Let's read it again. It tells us this. Jesus had a busy day. Okay? When it was evening after sunset, this is what happens. They brought to him all who were sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered by the door. So he healed many who were sick with various diseases and drove out many demons, but he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. We said just now, and we all know this church, that our city is a busy place. But through this little story, it shows us that Jesus knew what it was like to be busy. I mean, he had just spent the whole day preaching, teaching, healing people, casting out demons, and they kept on coming to him. Notice what the passage says. The whole town was gathered at the door. Now, that might be a bit of an exaggeration, perhaps, but it just means a lot of people. The whole town, everybody who was looking for Jesus, was gathered at the door of where Jesus was staying. People coming in droves, people with their problems, people with their sicknesses, coming, searching for Jesus to heal them. Does that remind you of your life, perhaps? Maybe I should ask you this way. What is gathered at your door right now? For many of us in this city, our lives are fast-paced. And many people demanding lots of things from us. And so maybe at your work, maybe it seems like sometimes the entire office is gathered at your door demanding your work. Hey, where's that presentation? Hey, I asked you for this report a week ago. Where is it? Where are the figures? Can we have this meeting? The whole office is gathered at your door, demanding your attention. Or maybe here, your mom or a dad, a caregiver at home, a domestic worker, looking after the kids, trying to look after the home, make meals, and it seems like all the household chores are just gathered at your door. The work just never ends. There's always laundry, always dishes, always meals to be cooked, always kids to be looked after. And it seems like everything is just gathered at your door. Or maybe you're a student in here, and we know what student life is here, right? Every day it's homework, assignments, group projects, where there's always that one person who doesn't pull their weight, right? Extra classes, exams, tutors, all these things are gathered at your door. Brothers and sisters, take heart. Jesus knew what it was like to have people demanding things from him. Jesus knew what it was like to be busy. And he sees you in your busyness. And he empathizes and sympathizes with you. But he also knew this. 
Busyness is one of the key things that will keep our relationships shallow and surface level. We get so focused on our to-do list and our meetings and the things that people are expecting us to do that we don't take time to reconnect, to recharge. And so we walked about stressed out and grumpy. Our busyness keeps our conversations so shallow, centered on work and getting things done, rather than you know, having deep, meaningful, rich conversations about who we were created to be, what's on our hearts, one of our minds. And then we start to wonder, wow, why do I feel so lonely all the time? Our busyness keeps our relationship with God shallow. Maybe truly Sunday is the only day that you get to come and hear from the Bible, look at the Bible, worship, because once Monday kicks in, it's back to the grind again. But look at this church. When Jesus is faced with the entire town full of people demanding his attention, what does he do? It doesn't say Jesus downed three cups of coffee and just kept going. It doesn't say he went out to get a few Red Bulls and just, okay, got the energy now, let's go. It doesn't say he shifted things around in his Google calendar and said, okay, you know, we have a paralytic here and a lame man here, a blind man. Okay, maybe I can switch these few things around and I can fit in as many healings as I can today. He doesn't do that. No, the scripture tells us that, verse 35, Jesus got up early in the morning when it was still very dark, departed and went out to a deserted place. And there he spent time in prayer. You see what Jesus does? Jesus doesn't let his demands dictate his response. Instead, he reacts to these demands. And he goes away all by himself and he prays. He purposely chooses to step away from the busyness of things so that he can focus on what is the most important thing, to recharge, to reconnect with his father. So church, let me ask you this question. When was the last time you went off to a place by yourself just to pray? Just to spend time with God? When was the last time you actually took time to do that? In fact, if you look at the life of Jesus, this was a regular habit in his life. So it tells us all the time in the Gospels, Jesus went off to a solitary place by himself to pray. And in doing so, Jesus demonstrates to us and to those who claim to follow him that we need to do the same. In order for us to be deeply rooted with anyone else, including ourselves, we first need to be rooted in God. And we need these regular dedicated times of solitary prayer in order to do that. So this morning, church, I want to encourage you in this. I mean, in many ways, I know this sounds like Sunday School 101. But I felt like this was one of the main things that God was asking to be rem um, reminded you guys of today. The first step for us as a community to become more deeply rooted is that we need to commit to and encourage each other to eliminate busyness so that we can connect with God. Because if Jesus found it necessary to do so, we need to as well. So what happens next? Jesus goes off, gets some prayer, gets a bit of rest, and you know, we expect him to be ready to go back, right? Okay, you've got some rest now, Jesus. Let's go back. Let's go back to the healing and the helping. People are waiting for you. At least this was the expectation of his disciples. Listen to what it says. Simon and his companions searched for him, and when they found him, they said, everyone is looking for you. Everyone is looking for you. You can almost 
hear the judgment in their voice, right? Everyone is looking for you. Actually, the word, uh, the term looking for you here um, in the Greek actually means hunting for you, right? The, 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 the people have been hunting for Jesus. Like they want to bring him back as a prey and bring him back to their agenda. Everyone is looking for you. What are you doing, Jesus? Why aren't you with the people? Don't you know people are waiting? Don't you know there's still loads of people that need to be healed? They've been waiting there all night. You're just going to let them stay there? Come on. Come back, Jesus. Do your work. This is essentially what the disciples were saying. But again, I'm going to throw the question back out to you today. Can you hear questions like this being asked of you? Do you wrestle with the expectations of other people and society And it plays itself out in so many ways. Everyone needs you. Everyone needs you. What are you doing? I mean, social media itself is a good example of this, full of images and expectations that we can never seem to match up to. We scroll through these pictures of people's highlight reels. Everyone looks great, beautiful lives, and we think, oh, man, I wish my life could be more like that. And so we try our very best to match up to these unrealistic expectations. Or perhaps, like we talked about just now, it manifests in the way, in the way we um, communicate with each other. And we hold back sharing our struggles because we're fearful about what other people might think. We get nervous. So if I really share what I'm struggling with, are people still going to want to connect with me? So when people ask, hey, how are you? What we really want to say is, I really need some help. But we don't want to be a burden. We don't want to get weird. We don't want to do that stuff. And so we just keep it to ourselves and we say, yeah, I'm fine. Or maybe we become people pleasers. And we say yes to everything that's demanded of us, even the things that we don't want to do. This is totally me. I am always worrying about what other people think about me. To the point where I actually think sometimes I begin to change myself in order to conform to other people's expectations. And I end up doing and and being a part of and taking part in many things that perhaps I don't actually want to do, but because I want to please people, I choose to say yes. So yeah, sure, I'll help you move house. Yeah, sure, I'll come to your party. Yeah, I can have lunch with you. Yeah, I can put a sermon together in less than a day, of course. (laughs) And then we have culture. There's so many great qualities about Chinese and Asian culture, many which I'm grateful for. But I don't know if you see it or feel it yourself. There is this underlying tension, right, of fulfilling the expectations of the older generation. I mean, to this day, I'm a, I consider myself a grown-up now, but to this day, if an older Chinese papa or bakbak asks me to do something, it's impossible for me to say no. This guy could say, hey, can you take this bomb and move over there? And I'd be like, oh, sure, yeah, you're older than me. I'll, I'll respect you and do it, Okay. I wrestle with that. And maybe on a more serious note, you and your family. Right? You've always been governed and, and controlled by the things you're allowed to pursue. And the path that you're on right now is so far from what's really passionate about, you're passionate about in your heart. And you've never really been given the freedom to explore these passions that you feel like God has given to you. The truth is, if we're always working towards what other people want us to do and completely ignoring their own desires 
and the dreams that God has put in our hearts and in our minds, it too will lead to shallow, surface-level lives. Because we're constantly trying to measure up to other people's expectations. It's going to prevent us from being deeply rooted into who God created you to be. And again, Jesus understands this. And that's why he says to his disciples, when his disciples say, everyone is looking for you, Jesus' reply is, let's go somewhere else into the surrounding villages so I can preach there. For this is what I came here to do. You see the difference in perspective between Jesus and his disciples? Jesus takes a deeper perspective as to what's actually needed and what's happening. The disciples can only see and react to what's right in front of them. Yes, there's a crowd. Yes, there are people there that need, um, that need Jesus' help. But Jesus realizes his mission, his calling, wasn't just to stay in one place, to become sort of, some sort of you know, a miracle hander outer. People just come to him. This is how some people back then worked. There were these healers that would go to a town. They would set up shop there. And people would come to them, and it'd almost be like a business, right? You come to me. I do the healing. I make myself famous, and that's how I make my living. That's how I make my money. But that wasn't Jesus' calling. He wasn't there just to stay at one place. People come to him to heal. Jesus makes it very clear that his mission on this earth was to come and preach the gospel. So what the disciples see on the surface level, these crowds appearing, they see, hey, maybe we can take advantage of this situation. But Jesus' mission was something else. He was to preach the gospel to all of Israel, to declare God's kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven, to go to the cross, to die for our sins, raise from the dead, defeating the enemy, so that we can be reconciled with God. That was his purpose. But the crowd and the disciples don't seem to understand that at the moment. They just want the healing. So Jesus steps away, confidently steps away, knowing he's doing the right thing, and he moves on, preaching the gospel. This made me pause and think. Because this is, like I said, so far from how would I, I would have responded. It sounds like madness to me. As I'm reading, as I was reading this passage, I thought to myself, wow, Jesus, aren't you? Like, you're letting all these people down. Why aren't you afraid of what other people are going to think of you? Wasn't Jesus worried that he was going to upset some people about his reputation? But he doesn't second guess himself. He moves on because he knows what he came here to do. And so, brothers and sisters, this is another question I want to pose for you today. What have you come here to do? Like, what have you, what do you feel like you have been put on this earth for? Carla said it just now, there is no coincidences. No one is on this earth by a coincidence or by an accident. And if we don't figure this out, this is another one of those things that's going to stop us from, able to be, um, stop us from being able to be deeply formed and deeply connected because we're not even sure what our purpose is. And I'm not talking really about career or jobs or vocation here, okay? That's not what I'm really talking about. You can have a great, successful job, you know, doing really well in your field, but still feel that longing of, what am I here for? And I know, this is a big question. 
And maybe, you know, as I ask this, it's causing a lot of stress and anxiety because this is something that you've been wrestling with a long time now. How do I figure out what's God's will for my life? What if I'm not living in it right now? What if I've missed the boat? Is God still able to use me? But on the other side, let's look at this from a different perspective. May I suggest this? Perhaps these difficult, big, deep questions are exactly what we need to help us deepen our relationships with God and each other. Perhaps these are the questions, these questions of calling and seeking God's will for our lives is something that we're not meant to do on our own. Often I feel like we struggle with this by ourselves. Right? We go off and we pray and we say, you know, God, what's your will for my life? And we get all confused because there's so many different choices and we don't know what to do. We don't know what direction to take. But rather than wrestling with it all by yourself, maybe this is a question you can bring before your community, your friends, your brothers and your sisters. And you can ask them, hey, what do you think God has called me to in my life? And that opens up a much brighter and deeper conversation, doesn't it? Instead of just saying, hey, how are you? So Hayden comes up to me and says, what do you think God has called me to? And I can look at Hayden because we know each other. And I can say, Hayden, I see loyalty in you, Hayden. It's the first time I'm telling you this, right? But I see in you, Hayden, a deep desire to help people feel loved and respected and known. And that's a gift God has given to you. That makes for a much deeper conversation, much better conversation, doesn't it? Than, hey, how are you doing? I'm fine. Okay, let's move on. So church... What are you here to do? And one of the key things we've all been called to is that we are all here to be image bearers of God. You've been put here to be His salt and His light. You're here to experience God's love and now after experiencing His love, to show His love to other people. That is a calling all of us in this room can live up to and follow. So finally, like I said, Jesus steps away and he continues on his mission. Mark says he leaves. He went into all of Galilee, preaching in the, synagogues, preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons. And this is the mission now, church community, for us to do. We have been called to do the same. Once our hearts are rooted in deep, regular prayer with God, once we've figured out some way to take away some of the busyness, once we've um, figured out how to not fix our minds on people's expectations and really live up to what God has called us to do, our mission now is to root ourselves firmly in God, build communities that do the same by preaching the gospel. We bring this message that life doesn't have to be shallow and surface, but rather we can experience fully what it means to live a life and life to the full. And through this, through doing this, we too cast out demons and push back darkness because the enemy would like nothing more for us to continue living the way that we might be the easiest way. Surface level, going through every day without ever truly connecting with ourselves, with God, or with anyone else. But church... Let's not be content with that. That's not us. That's not this community. 
And the challenge we've been given to is to go deep, but go deep together. And like I said, we're not going to solve everything. There's lots of things to work out, but let's take that first step in the right direction. This means we're going to have to be willing to get vulnerable with each other. This means we're going to have to be willing to embrace weaknesses and pain and hurt. We're going to have to be very intentional with our language, asking better questions of each other other than just, hey, how are you? But we trust that as we do this, it's the Spirit of God that's doing this work of formation in our lives, molding us, connecting us, rooting us in Him so that we can go out and bring the gospel of hope and love that the world so desperately needs. This is our core church. And as Paul says in the Ephesians chapter 3, as we do this, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, how high, and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know that this love surpasses knowledge and that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably um, immeasurably more than we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever and ever. Amen. Would you pray with me, church? Yeah, we talked about setting time aside to be alone with God right now, just now, and... um, Maybe here in this moment, as you stand here, as you sit here in the quiet, this might be the first time in a long time that there's been even two minutes where you're not distracted by anything. And God's inviting you now to that solitary place. I know there's people around you, but right now, just for yourself, try and block that out for a minute. And just take a moment to meet with God again. Imagine that you've gone off to a solitary place by yourself and it's just you and God. And he's been waiting to connect with you. He has things prepared that he wants to tell you and speak to you and and encourage you and love on you with. Just, Just take a moment and hear what God has to say to you. beautiful thing about this space right now is that we're also in a community of believers our family our brothers and sisters with God as our father and maybe there's a few people around you 
or a few people you came to church with, or maybe it's your community group or you know, some friendships that you've made in this church that you're telling yourself now, you've been saying, yeah, I think it's time we challenge each other a little bit more. I think it's time we ask each other better questions about how we're doing in life and how our relationship with God is so that we can encourage each other better in that way. And if those people, that, that group is coming to mind right now, maybe you can make a plan on, okay, how am I going to do that? Like, what do I need to do? Who should I talk to after this service or at some point during this week to connect with them? And now my prayer is for us, church, Jesus, we pray that as we do that, Lord, as we seek to be deeply connected with you, and out of that wholeness, Lord, we connect deeply with each other. We are showing our city that the church really is who they claim to be, a place where people can come with their brokenness, with the areas where they need healing, with their hopes and their dreams, and they can, they can come and be welcomed to a community that will embrace them and encourage them in this journey of life. And that together we can figure out our God-given purpose of what we've put on, been put on this earth for. And as we do that, Lord, we demonstrate to the city and to this world that this is how you want your children to live. Not on the surface level, not distracted and busy all the time, but deeply connected, deeply rooted in the love of God. So help us to do that, Jesus. May the way we live our lives be a proclamation of the gospel of, of Jesus Christ. May it bring hope and life and love to those who need it. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.